the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, January the 3rd, 2020, in the year of our Lord, 2020. I almost said 2019, but it is the year of our Lord. Today, on January 3rd, 1961, President Dwight Eisenhower, he announced that the United States was formally terminating diplomatic relations with Cuba. Today, in 1521, Martin Luther was excommunicated from the Catholic Church. Today, in 1777, General George Washington's army routed the British in the Battle of Princeton, New Jersey. Today, in 1892, J.R. Tolkien, the author of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, he was born today. Today, in 1938, the March of Dimes campaign to fight polio was established. President Franklin D. Roosevelt himself had been afflicted by polio. He initiated that. Today, in 1959, Alaska became the 49th state. President Dwight Eisenhower signed the proclamation. And today, in 1959, Fidel Castro took control of the Cuban army. Today, in 1967, Jack Ruby, remember him? The man who shot and killed Lee Harvey Oswald. Oswald was the accused assassin. I don't think there was much doubt that he was the assassin. But he was the accused assassin of President John F. Kennedy. Well, Ruby died in a Dallas hospital. I think he had cancer or something. I'm not sure. Today in 1977, Apple Computer was incorporated in Cupertino, California. Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak, and Mike Marcola, Jr. put together a company that they called Apple. Apple Computer. Today in 1996... The first flip phone was put on the market by Motorola. I had a flip phone. I still have a flip phone. In fact, I have it in a drawer in my desk. Sometimes I wish we'd have just stayed with the flip phone. Sometimes these iPhones give you more information and more intrusion into your life than you would like to have. But anyway, first flip phone went on sale today in 1996. Today in 2000. The last new Daily Peanuts comic strip by Charles Schultz ran in 2,600 newspapers, 2,600 newspapers. That's a lot. And uh, I think Charles Schultz died right around this time. He died either just before this, uh, this strip was completed, but just before it was published or just after. But that's the reason that that was the last new Daily Peanuts comic strip, Charles Schultz went to be with the Lord. He was a deeply committed Christian guy. Today in 2008, Illinois Senator Barack Obama won the Democratic caucuses in Iowa, and Mike Huckabee won the Republican caucuses in Iowa today in 2008. Good old Mike Huckabee. I always kind of wanted him to win. I like him. I've never met him, but I like him a lot. But it just wasn't what the Lord had for Mike so far. 
The U.S. Embassy in Iraq was attacked on Tuesday. I think we probably are all aware of that. I was taking a break this week. I came back live yesterday, so we didn't talk about it on Tuesday. We would have. President Trump said on Tuesday, following the attack on our embassy, he said, I'm quoting him, this will not be another Benghazi. Well, it hasn't been, and I want to talk to you for a couple of minutes about that. I also want to talk to you about should Christians carry guns to church? Well, the immediate answer is hands in the air and, oh, no, absolutely not. But let me talk to you a little bit about that and about what happened last Sunday in a church in Texas. The American consulate, when it was attacked in Benghazi, you'll remember that not only were American lives lost, but the Obama administration came out and just bold-faced lied to the American people. They, they lied about the cause of the attack. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton said that they, they it was just spontaneous, which it wasn't. We learned it was very well orchestrated by people who hate America. But she came out and said, well, the attack was because, or the riot or whatever she called it, happened because this guy in California had made a, a video that was not complimentary to Islam. And she blamed some guy in California, in Southern California. I think he was in Los Angeles. And she said, that's the reason all this happened. And then Obama was saying, well, I, I didn't know anything about the president. And all these other people that worked with Clinton and Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and all of this were on television going from from channel to channel to channel lying about it. I mean, they did. It all came out after the fact. And it isn't just a matter of disagreeing with what they said. I mean, it was just a bold-faced lie. That, that's what it was. So <laughs> President Trump picked up on this, and he said he remembers it as well. And he said, this will not be another Benghazi. Well, he's right. It was not another Benghazi. This morning, Associated Press and other news sources around the world are reporting. In fact, Associated Press says this, Iraqi TV, three Iraqi officials said this morning, Friday this morning, that Iranian General uh, Qassam Soleimani, the head of Iran's elite Quds force, has been killed in an airstrike at Baghdad's International Airport. The officials said the strike also killed this Abdu al-Muhodis, or something, he's the deputy commander of the uh, Iran-backed militias, known known as the Popular Mobilization Forces. There's a whole lot of information on this. I'm not going to get lost in the weeds on all the details. I mean, some of you would be interested in that, but not all. But just know that this was very strategic. It was very direct. And this was no Benghazi. The President of the United States has told the world that if you attack our embassies and kill our people, and they did, they killed at least one American, he said, you will pay. This will not be another Benghazi. And believe me, it is not. William Fallon, he's a retired admiral who ran the U.S. Central Command uh, from March 2007 to 2008. He told the Military Times last night, they published it this morning, that Soleimani's death is a significant blow to Iran. He said, quote, There is little doubt in my mind he was in Baghdad orchestrating activity. And Fallon said he was the CENTCOM commander. 
he said those were not protests. They were coordinated attacks on the on the embassy. So what's happened is Iran is working kind of vicariously on behalf, so to speak, of Iraq, but they're taking advantage of the situation there to attack America. They want it to appear that Iraq is resisting America. Iraq is not resisting America. It's Iran in Iraq carrying out these deeds. Trump called them on it, blew up their head guy. He's dead. And um, now the world is just, you know, they're just going berserk. Nancy Pelosi went off last night. She says, I can't believe that the president of the United States acted without approval from her, I guess. And she's carrying on with all of this nonsense. People who are informed on on military matters are saying that this is a huge loss for Iran's regime and its Iraqi proxies. A major operational, psychological victory for the United States. That's what the military generally is saying, and retired military people who cannot be punished for agreeing with the president by far-left, deep-state people in the bureaucracies. This uh, Philip Smith, he's an expert on Washington Institute, the Iran-controlled Shia militias in the Middle East, He said, this is a major blow. He said, I would argue that this is probably the most major decapitation strike the United States has ever carried out. This is a man who controlled a transnational foreign legion that is controlling governments in numerous different countries. This Soleimani guy. He said, this Smith, who is recognized as an expert, he said Soleimani had a cult of personality as well as a unique leadership role in the Iran controlled Shia militia network. He had a lot of power. He had a lot of control. You have to be a strong leader in order to get these people to work with you. You have to know them. He said, you can't learn this stuff overnight. He learned it over uh, a lifetime. And several other experts are agreeing that Soleimani's death was even more significant than Al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden's or Islamic State in Iraq and Syria, ISIS leader, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. This is a big deal. So Nancy Pelosi now has is, is grabbed a microphone. She's out there this morning, and she released a statement last night, late last night, and she is, is upset, she's very upset, she says, that she said uh, the president did not alert her to what he was doing. She said the administration has conducted tonight's strike. She she tweeted last night, late last night, put out this notice in Iraq, targeting high-level Iranian military officials and killing Iranian Quds Force Commander uh, Soleimani without an authorization for use of military force against Iran. Further, she says this action was taken without consultation with Congress. Keep in mind that Pelosi has yet to notify the Senate formally about the impeachment of President Donald Trump. It's been 16 days. But she's upset because he did a tactical strike, took out a man, he responded. She wanted another Benghazi, I guess. She just simply hates the president. 
She can talk about prayer. She can talk about how she prays for his family. And I don't know her heart. God knows her heart. But I certainly know her actions. Her actions are anti-American. And they're certainly, they're all focused. They're all driven by her motivation of, of hatred or dislike for the president. And that's pretty much what's happening in the left today. And that's why 2020 is going to be one of the most awful years as far as these kinds of things are concerned. I mean, I'd, I'd like to be saying, boy, this is going to be the greatest year ever. It is going to be the greatest year ever, but we've got to understand it is through much trial and much difficulty that that, that character is developed. The book of James talks a lot about that. Uh, the the New Testament talks a lot about it. When we go through fiery trials, count it all joy because that's how we become the people that God wants us to become. Well, there's there's a parallel to that. It's different, but collectively, the nation is going to be going through some things here. But God is in control and God is working these things out. But I'll tell you, the left is absolutely, I mean, they are shaken to the core because all of this, all of this impeachment nonsense has brought Trump's numbers, favorable numbers, up. People are more supportive of him now, the nation in general, than they were when they started the the impeachment. The impeachment was designed to take down a president that they didn't like. It was designed to overturn, to reverse the will of the people in the 2016 election. That has not worked out well. That's why Nancy Pelosi is sitting on those articles of impeachment. I mean, normally, she would do her thing, and she did in the House, and they would hand them off to the Senate and say, we're recommending we have impeached the president. Now you try the case. That's what the Senate does. But she's sitting on She won't deliver them because she knows they are so weak and so made up. There are no real charges in the impeachment articles, the two that they have. So she's sitting on them, waiting, hoping somebody will turn up something, with some substance against Donald Trump, the president. And it hasn't happened. So that's what's going on there. Senator Chris Murphy kind of echoed that. Um, He's a Democrat from Connecticut. Last Tuesday, I was taking a break, as I said, but I was paying attention to what was in the news. Last Tuesday, Chris Murphy was telling the press, and they all reported it, every single major press, CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS, All of them reported it. I don't know if Fox did or not, but the others did because they wanted this message out there. Chris Murphy said to the press, this past Tuesday was telling, uh, he said that Trump, he said, is uh, uh, impotent. He, He said the president of the United States is impotent to respond to the Iranian attacks on our U.S. embassy. And that was on Tuesday in Iraq. He said, no one fears us in the Middle East or elsewhere. He said, if we need someone in the White House who will respond and protect American interests. Okay, that was Tuesday of this week. He went on to say America has been reduced to huddling in safe rooms, hoping the bad guys will go away. This was all directed at President Trump and his administration. Okay, the same Chris Murphy, late last night, was on his iPhone and he was tweeting. And here's what he said. You talk about, you talk about phony. He said, the president is being too aggressive. 
He's going to start a war. We can't have someone like that in the White House. You don't even have to question the motives of these people. They're so obvious that a fifth grader can figure it out. Nancy Pelosi, as I said, is just irate today because she wasn't... These people take themselves way too seriously. I mean, they put out all these press releases and they begin to believe the press releases about themselves. But there is no, no doubt that we're living in some very troubling times, some very perilous times. 2020 is going to be explosive politically, spiritually. But as God always does, in the midst of chaos, God works his will his purposes. I was reading this morning earlier, I read Psalm 27.3, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then, I will be confident. There is that place, and the world doesn't understand it. The press certainly doesn't understand it. They don't want to. I'm positive, most of them. But there's... It's a difference between light and dark, and I don't say this in an elitist way at all. I say it very humbly. But those who know the Lord have seen the light. I don't want to sound like my grandmother, but it's true. Those who know the Lord have seen the light. Those who do not know the Lord walk in darkness. That's what the Bible says. They walk in darkness. They don't get it. They will not get it until they know truth himself. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. They don't understand that though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Because they play off fear. They try to manipulate the culture and manipulate voters on the basis of fear. They don't understand that though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. And often they write us off, we biblical Christians, as not all that smart. But it's they who walk in darkness. And they need to know the Lord. Deuteronomy, written thousands of years ago, chapter 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And of course, that truth is picked up in the New Testament as well. Psalm 27 Verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So many verses that God has given us to reassure us that no matter how bad it gets, whatever goes on in our world, we must be informed. It is not God's will that his people not be informed. We've got to be informed, but we do not want to be consumed with what's happening in the culture. We do not want to be consumed with fear. Because I'm telling you, and it's not true because I'm saying it, I'm saying it because it's true. God is in control. And he's told us repeatedly in his word, be informed, know what's going on, but trust the Lord. Be confident. Don't be, don't be eaten by fear. There's nothing to fear, because God is God. He was God before all these politicians came along, and he'll be God afterwards. But we're here now, 
And we're told by the Lord to be salt and light, and to be a presence, to be an influence, to have an impact in our world, whatever that may be. Some have greater impact. Billy Graham had a big impact. I don't have that kind of an impact, and neither do you, but all of us have an impact. And God is just simply saying, be aware, but don't be afraid. That's the world we live in. But, you know, it's it's not even safe to go to church anymore. And I don't like to say that because I don't want to give anybody an excuse not to go. But, boy, these church shootings are becoming... Well, anyway, they're they're happening. Should Christians carry guns to church? The immediate answer that even comes to my mind is, oh, no, absolutely not. But I want to talk to you for, oh, just a few minutes today before we, before we run out of time about that, because that's something that has to be faced in the world we live in. Last Sunday, the Associated Press reported, other news organizations reported as well, the Associated Press said last Sunday, quote, a man pulled out a shotgun at a Texas church service and fired on worshipers uh, Sunday, killing two people before he was shot to death by congregants who fired back. Took a look at this. Since 1950, 98% of all mass shootings have taken place in gun-free zones, including schools and churches. Did you know there was a time in America when it was illegal not to carry a gun to church? Yeah, it was. There was. Associated Press said the authorities praised the two congregants who opened fire as part of a volunteer security team at West Freeway Church of Christ in White Settlement. That's a little town. It's about eight miles out of Fort Worth, Texas. Congregation was just beginning to partake in Holy Communion when this guy started shooting. He had come in. There were about 242 people in the sanctuary at the time. He looked very suspicious. He walked in. He was seated. Trained church members who were armed and part of the organized security team of the church were watching over the congregation as they worshipped and were carefully watching this individual. There are several people in that church who are on this security team. They thought he didn't. it didn't look right. They just sensed there was something very wrong. This guy had a shotgun under his coat. Must have been a long coat. I don't know. But anyway, there's a, there was a live stream of the church service going onto the Internet, the camera. Many churches do that now. I mean, in fact, most of them do, I think. So you, get, you can see what happened. I mean, they were videoing the service for the people who couldn't be there. You can see the guy on this live stream video getting up from the pew. He's talking to someone in the back of the church. Then he pulls out from under his coat this shotgun and starts firing. Member of the church security team, Richard White, and a deacon, this Tony Wallace, he was serving communion. Both were shot and killed by the shooter. But the security team, the church security team, immediately responded as it, almost instantaneously as this guy pulled his gun out. He got off two shots. These people took him down, took him out. The local law enforcement responded within two minutes. The police were there. But by the time the police got there, I mean, they were on it. But by the time they got there, the incident was over. The entire incident, because it's all on video, took six seconds. Authorities praised the church for being prepared. In fact, Texas Governor Greg Abbott he asked the state to pray for the victims. 
their loved ones, the community, and so on. He said, quote, the, the governor, places of worship are meant to be sacred, and I am grateful for the church members who acted quickly to take down the shooter and to help prevent further loss of life. By all honest accounts, this tragedy could have cost many, perhaps dozens of lives had the congregation not been prepared for an event like this. Well, here's why the church was prepared. Even Associated Press noted this. They weren't negative toward this. Even Associated Press kind of got what was happening here. They noted that Sunday's shooting in Texas was also the second attack on a religious gathering in the U.S. in less than 24 hours. What they were referring to is that Saturday night, this past Saturday night, a man stabbed five people as they were celebrating Hanukkah, Jewish people, Orthodox Jewish, in an Orthodox Jewish community in North New York City. Back in 2017, a man named Devin Patrick Kelly, he opened fire on a congregation at First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, Texas, also. He killed 26. He left another 20 wounded. 46 people were shot. In that case, there was no trained security team or on duty in the church, but a man living across the street didn't attend the church, but, I mean, he lived across the street from the church. He heard the shooting, figured out what was going on in there. He grabbed his AR-15, and he took down the church shooter as he was fleeing the scene in a pickup or something. Following this tragedy, Texas passed a law that allowed licensed gun owners to bring their weapons to churches. At the same time, this white settlement church back in 2017 said, you know, we better take some steps just in case in our church. And that's when they organized the security team. And the, the, the security team in their church is headed up by a retired FBI agent who's a member of the church. They're all members of the church. He organized the team. And that's what stopped many more lives from being taken last Sunday morning in this um, Texas church. Brian Fisher with the American Family Association, he noted something that I had heard, but I, I had never really looked into it until I, so I, I know Brian. He wrote, He's with the American Family Association. He wrote this article, and I don't have time to get into it, but I would encourage you today to, to go to our website. It's faithandfreedomandfreedom.us. And when you go to that, that address, that website, it'll just come up. Our website will come up. And the first thing you'll see is a story that I wrote about this issue. And in there, I document the laws. In 1631, Virginia law read, All men that are fitting to bear arms shall bring their pieces to church. In 1623, a Virginia law prohibited you from traveling anywhere without being armed. In 1639, Newport Colony required that none shall come to any public meeting without his weapon. And um, in 1770, a Georgia law provided that, quote, for the better security of the inhabitants, every resident was required to carry arms to places of public worship. So this is ideas not new because the Indian tribes were attacking churches. They had figured out the warring ones, not all of them, but those that were warring were coming against the churches, and they knew that Christians generally met in the morning on Sunday. And there was a whole bunch of them there. They were sitting ducks. That's what was going on. It's not unlike what's happening in our culture today, and in Luke 22:36, Jesus spoke to us taking care of ourselves and protecting ourselves. Well, we're out of time. 
It's good to be with you. Have a great weekend. I'll see you right here on Monday.